Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Today is Thursday, October 25th, 2018. This is Minnesota Politics 101. I am Pat Kessler, the political reporter for WCCO Television in Minneapolis. We are the proud CBS station in town. And this week... They have projectiles. I mean, that's a... Excuse me, that sounds like a fire alarm here. We'll keep you posted on that. But to have projectiles... Okay, um, we're going to jump in. There's... A fire, a fire alarm, alarm here. here. You might have heard it in the background. We're going to find out what the latest is uh, we'll here right at CNN. We're going to be right back. A serial pipe bomber sends bombs to 10 people who are on President Trump's enemies list. People who have criticized him and who he attacks at campaign rallies across the country, including right here in Minnesota. And as the investigation into who did this continues, the president blames the media. So who is to blame here? Anyone? Everyone? But first. Angie Craig doesn't see us. She sees dollars. While health care costs skyrocket, Angie Craig supports a health care fix. You have heard the ads and you've probably seen a lot of them. We're going to tell you how much money politicians and political groups are spending in Minnesota. Spoiler alert. We ain't never seen nothing like this before. Okay, 2018 elections ramping up and winding down at the same time. Less than two weeks before election day, and we are seeing television ads more negative, more toxic, more harsh, just more, more. They are fueled by money, a lot of it, outside money from Democratic and Republican groups, also shadowy groups from outside the state and inside Minnesota who disguise themselves to keep us from knowing immediately who they are. Here is a sample of some of the ads we're seeing and hearing in Minnesota right now. If DFL politicians like Keith Ellison and Tim Walls make Minnesota a sanctuary state, we lose our family security. I am scared about what Tim Walls and Keith Ellison want to do with our state. And violent criminals will be released into our communities. So we all suspect we're seeing a ton of money paying for these ads and now we know for sure researchers at the University of Minnesota are tracking the dollars and following the money. Here's the headline. Minnesota is awash in campaign spending. The headline writer of this is Associate Professor of Political Science, Catherine Pearson. It's uh, kind of shocking to look at these numbers. What do you find? Well, yes and no. It is shocking if you look at the fact that in both parties there's already been more money spent through mid-October 2018 than there was on U.S. House races in Minnesota in all of the 2014 cycle because they're just so competitive. And the fact that four out of eight of Minnesota's U.S. House seats are so competitive and perhaps will be decisive in which party controls the majority in the U.S. House of Representatives, that helps explain why so much money has flowed flowed into Minnesota. Now, the candidates are collecting a lot of money from individuals, but most of their money comes from independent expenditures in these competitive races. And you're talking about overall spending, not money that goes to the candidates, but Correct. outside groups. Correct, absolutely. So this includes money that is uh, contributed to individual candidates from individual donors, and it also includes money that is spent by outside groups, by the political parties, so the sum total of all of the money. 
Do you see this as going to be a record uh, amount of spending for a midterm election in Minnesota? Absolutely. It's on, it, is on it is already that way in terms of U.S. House races, and is, it is on track to be that way in terms of overall spending. Without getting into the details yet, uh, does that surprise you? No. Minnesota has a large number, uh, an unusually large number of highly competitive races, um, both at the federal level in terms of four out of its eight U.S. House seats being potentially decisive uh, for the next majority in the House of Representatives. And at the federal, at the U.S. Senate level, of course, we have two Senate races. Now, Senator Klobuchar's seat race Senator Klobuchar's race is not particularly competitive, and so that's not generating a large amount of spending. But Senator Tina Smith's uh, race is very competitive, and so uh, she's raised a lot more money than her challenger, uh, Karen Housley. But I expect that both candidates will raise a lot more money between now and Election Day. Just an aside on that, uh, Tina Smith did not show up for a televised debate last weekend. Uh, is that a good thing, a bad thing? I mean, what? what? That gave uh, State Senator Karen Housley the opportunity uh, to be at the podium by herself and show an empty podium where Senator Smith didn't appear. And so that really gave her, you know, an audience all to herself. So yeah. I, I think that was a strategic mistake yeah, on Senator I, Smith's part. It's it really interesting to me because, yeah, they showed the, the empty chair, the empty yeah. podium. And that does have an impact on people, I think. Uh, looking at this race, uh, Minnesota's awash in campaign spending, as you say, and it's a ton of money, $82 million. What, what sticks out to you in here? Well, I think what really sticks out to me uh, is the large amount of money that is flowing into Minnesota in the form of independent expenditures by groups and parties and the fact that the vast majority of independent expenditures are being used against somebody. So the independent expenditures that are coming in to help Republicans, 94% of that money is being spent attacking Democrats. Of the Democrats' money that's coming in, 56% of that money is being used to attack Republicans. So the independent expenditure money is being used to fuel these negative campaigns that we're seeing. So when people tell us that this is the harshest campaign they've ever seen. There's some evidence to support that. There is some evidence to support that. Now, candidates certainly run their own negative ads, but previous research has shown that the most negative ads come from outside groups, these outside groups that are contributing independently. And then the next most negative are parties, and then the third most negative are the candidates themselves. The candidates are more likely to do a mix of positive and negative. And uh, have you broken it down by district? Uh, do we see where these negative ads are going? Uh, just off the <laughs> yes. top of my head, I would say, you know, those four races. Yes, exactly. Minnesota's second district, Minnesota's third district, Minnesota's first district, and Minnesota's eighth district are where we are seeing most of the action. Of course, Republicans are trying to defend Minnesota's second and third district, and so many, many groups that support Republicans are spending big to help them do that. And then Democrats, although they're two open seats, Democrats are trying to keep the first and the eighth district in Democratic hands, and so money is flowing into those races as well. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. We're unusual in the rest of the country because we have four competitive seats. We have four competitive seats, and you know it's possible that uh, all four stay the same. It's possible that all four flip, and with the the net result is that Minnesota's partisan balance stays the same, even with four flip seats. And then it's possible that we have a six-two margin for one party or the other. So get your popcorn on election night. Find a comfy chair, and this is going to be fun to watch. Yes. So let's give you the grim update as we know it right now. 
As we come to you today, the latest on the pipe bombs, 10 of these pipe bombs in packages delivered to top Democrats, including former President Barack Obama, former First Lady and Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, former Vice President Joe Biden, former Attorney General Eric Holder, former CIA Director John Brennan, billionaire Democratic donor George Soros, CNN, and actor Robert De Niro. So what do they all have in common? In addition to a lot of them are Democrats, really prominent national Democrats. They are sharp critics of President Trump, and the president has singled them out by name over and over and over again in campaign rallies across the country, including right here in Minnesota. We, we don't know who is doing all of this with the pipe bombs, but even in this hypercharged political climate, it's reasonable to speculate, I think, that someone may have been motivated by political rhetoric like this, a sample of some of what President Trump said during a couple of visits right here to Minnesota recently. Hello, Minnesota. Great state, thank you. And I'm thrilled to be back in the heartland with thousands of hardworking and truly great American patriots, you know that. Here is a rally in Rochester, Minnesota, and President Trump takes off after one of his favorite targets, California Congresswoman Maxine Waters. The legendary low IQ Maxine Waters. Low IQ person. Now you hear people are cheering and they love it and uh, they're laughing and the president keeps going. He, he also makes Hillary Clinton, she's a favorite villain two years after the election that he won. He's president of the United States and he goes after Hillary Clinton. It's red meat for a lot of the Republican supporters of President Trump who show up at the rallies and they love it. So Hillary Clinton, favorite villain. The crowd chants, as you will hear over and over again, they chant, lock her up, lock her up. Who the hell does that? Do you think Hillary Clinton would have done that? I don't think so. I don't think so. So that's just from Rochester. In, in Duluth a couple of months earlier, uh, there were many of the same kinds of attacks on Hillary Clinton, Maxine Waters. But there's also attacks at all of these uh, uh, rallies, attacks on the media. And in Duluth it happened, Rochester it happened. At every Trump rally I've been at, this happens. Uh, the crowd turns around when the president points at us and gives us the thumbs down and one finger up. And in Duluth, here's, here's a sample of it uh, where they're chanting, CNN sucks. Those very dishonest people back there, the fake news. Very dishonest. They would have said he's exaggerating. So in these 2018 midterm elections in Minnesota, even George Soros plays the role of villain. He's the bad guy. He's the heel in 
the terminology of wrestling. Soros got one of these pipe bombs delivered to his home. He's a favorite target of Republicans and conservatives and the president. He is a billionaire philanthropist, and he bankrolls a lot of Democratic efforts, a lot of programs, a lot of ads, those kinds of things. The president uh, most recently accused George Soros of bankrolling that immigrant refugee caravan that's making its way from Central America north uh, to the United States border. He says Soros uh, may be behind it. Here is an ad that's running here in Minnesota, still against a Democratic congressional candidate in the southern part of the state, uh, the Minnesota's first congressional district. The guy's name is Dan Fian. This ad is from uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee. Take a listen. I owe nothing to any leader, any corporation. What a joke. Look at who finances Dan Fian's employer. Radical George Soros, Wall Street's biggest banks, a crooked lobbyist tied to Pelosi. They pay Fian's bills and fund his campaign because Fian's a Pelosi liberal. Supports tax hikes, more debt, amnesty, even government-controlled health care. I owe nothing. Nonsense. Liberals own Fian. He'll never be for you. NRCC is responsible for the content of this advertising. So to be very clear again, we have no idea who's perpetrating this terrorism, and it is terrorism, domestic terrorism. Uh, some conservatives are suggesting that it's a, a liberal wackadoodle uh, trying to bend the arc of the 2018 midterm elections toward the Democrats. We don't know that. Uh, others, in, including a lot on the conservative right, are saying it's a person who was moved by President Trump's constant attacks on his enemies. Um, in fairness, I mean, that, that's, that's what we hear from uh, a lot of people, left wing, right wing, whatever it is. In fairness, we don't know, uh, and we've said that. Some of those people do criticize the president, but rarely do the Democrats uh, use the aggressive, insulting, even threatening tones that the president uses, with the possible exception of Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who has become uh, a polarizing figure uh, in the campaigns. But the president famously once said, and maybe said it many, many times, because I've heard it so many times, if you hit me, I will hit you back 10 times harder. And I think that's kind of the MO of what we've seen in politics now. And there's all this whataboutism also where you talk about what's happening now. Well, what about this? What about them? The president on the White, at the White House on Wednesday did say all of the right things. He read from a prepared statement calling for unity. That's what we expect a president to do. But speaking in Wisconsin on Wednesday night, the president seemed really uncomfortable in that role. By the way, do you see how nice I'm behaving tonight? This is like, have you ever seen this? Any acts or threats of political violence are an attack on our democracy itself. Then by Thursday morning, the president is tweeting, gets up early as he often does and tweets uh, what's on his mind. And he tweets that the fake news and the mainstream media are making America angry, blaming uh, the media for a lot of this. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if the president, in fact, takes any responsibility and are the Democrats going to take any responsibility? But what we do know is that we have a toxic political atmosphere. So a couple of questions to think about today. Does political rhetoric result in violence? Think about that. 
And, and does it make a difference if the rhetoric is coming from a president? Should we care that the targets of these pipe bombs are the same ones that the president attacks at his rallies? With the exception of Robert De Niro, although I do think I heard him say a couple of things about him. Uh, and, and what is the president's role? What is the traditional president? What is a modern president's role in unifying or healing a nation that is under siege? And is this now the part of the 20 midterm elections? Is this what is the new normal? That's what we have to think about. So I can tell you this. I've covered uh, politics for many years uh, in the Midwest, in Minnesota, and, and, and I have never seen anything quite like this before. From the great American philosopher Marvin Gaye, things ain't what they used to be. All things ain't what they used to be now. So thanks for listening this week. This is Minnesota Politics 101. It's produced by Sean Skinner. I'm Pat Kessler, the political reporter at WCCO Television in Minneapolis. See you next time. All things and what they used to be Oil wasted on the oceans and upon our seas Fish full of mercury